So first and foremost. I think the the addition of pant leggings is really when you start to see your heroes get watered down. Can't even muster the ability to play straight pants that one. Uh, which is a good argument for absolute rulers. Everybody is going to get behind me. They're going to love me, and my support numbers will go through. When you hang out with the hero, it doesn't go well for you. My grandfather yeah. took a cop and just slid it right through the bar. Okay. And that became the dominant way our family did it. Okay. And so, <laughs> in both of my marriages, they were treated to that. Okay, wait, hold on. Yeah, rage haiku. How do you imagine the rubber chicken? My grandmother actually vacuumed in her pearls. Oh my god, it all makes sense. We've had the sexual revolution. It yeah. might have just been a Canadian standoff. We're going to go back to 9 11. Dude, get over Agra has no business being that thick. <laughs> when the cultists win, we all win. This is a Geek History of Time. Where we connect nerdery to the real world. My name is Ed Blaylock. I'm a world history teacher here in Northern California. Uh, also dabbling in English. And uh, in my life this uh, past week, uh, biggest piece of news I have to share with everybody is that uh, my son has started spontaneously singing uh, uh, lines from sea shanties. He'll be sitting in the back seat of the car. We'll be driving somewhere and he'll, you know, my, my wife and I will be talking and, and all of a sudden she'll go, do you hear him? I'm like, now I'm driving the car, and I'll listen for a moment, and I'll hear, Soon may the weatherman come, bring us sugar and tea and milk. And, and she, she literally looked at me and said, Are you proud of yourself? And, and I just grinned in kind of a dopey way and said, Yeah, I am. So singing them to him as his lullabies to go to bed is apparently paying off. Um, how about you? What do you got going on? Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a Latin and drama teacher up here in Northern California. Uh, and I just got to say, um, you could fire back to her and just say, this guarantees that we will not be young grandparents. Well, we wouldn't be young grandparents Well, anyway, that's true. You're both older than water. Late. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you. But. Older than water. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Also, I like the geology involved yeah. in that because, yeah, older than dirt, not really that old. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, anyway. uh, but it, which is ironic because a sea shanty is what sailors would sing and they got laid all the time. But yeah. now, now, like, it's shifted. It's, yeah, so, yeah. I, you know, just pointing that out. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, uh, what I have going on is, uh, did I tell you that I had my kids reading um, – comic books this summer that dealt with uh, issues of social justice in america oh yeah 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 yeah, March. Did, I, yeah. did i tell you my son's yeah yeah did i tell you that my son asked me recently quite innocently about a word uh that you don't get to say ever oh shit so he's in the closet um getting something out and he says hey dad what's uh and he says it just very plainly like okay i'm gonna use the word um tool belt okay okay uh so he says dad what's a tool belt um and i say you know it's the n-word and i'm like oh oh 
I'm on duty right now. <laughs> okay. I like, I like the phrasing there. Yes. Okay. Here All we right. go. The alarm bell just rang. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta get. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. uh, I said, "All right. Uh, first off, where did you hear that word?" Um, and he said, "Oh, it's in March." And I was like, "Ah, context. This helps. March is yeah. All March right. March okay. is about the civil rights marches. Yeah. It's it's yeah. It, it's it's John Lewis telling." the writer and okay cool okay i tell him very simply it is a word that is used to hurt and demean people Uh, it's never a word that you should say out loud i'm very glad that you asked me about it i'm very glad that you asked me here at home whenever you have a question about a word like that you need to ask me um and and not anybody else because i i as an historian have the understanding of what you're trying to get to and i know what you're reading Mm -hmm. so that word you know, a tool belt, I, I explained, was is a word that is absolutely used to hurt people and dehumanize them and make it easier to do violence against them. Uh, and so, you know, number one, never use that word. Number two, anytime you hear somebody using that word, you need to speak up against it. You need to either support the person who's being attacked with that word by standing near them and telling them that you're sorry that they're having to deal with that. Or more importantly, tell the person using the word that is not okay. Um, and, uh, he understood, you know, I was like, okay, cause it's a rule. He's got it. Right. Yeah. So then I immediately called my brother-in-law, uh, and he and my sister, he's, he's black. My sister is Yemeni. So my nephews are, uh, Afro-Arabian, um, her, her word. Okay. And it's a nice little callback to the seventies, you know? Um, but, uh, I, I called him and I was like, Hey, here's what happened. Um, you got anything else you want me to make sure I tell him because he's going to be hanging out with his cousins and that word might get thrown around. Um, and he and I had a nice long talk about, uh, the, you know, what, what I as a white dad should tell my white kid who has black and brown cousins and just the, the intersectionality of that and, and whatnot. And, uh, and it was, it was good. I, it sounds like I handled it well, which is nice. Uh, and the, it was kind of like no notes. This is good. You, yeah. you, you did good. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we, uh, we talked about, you know, uh, the, what, you know, do I need to do anything when his nephews start using that word without the hard R, you know, cause mm. tool belt has an hard R at the end of it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. and he said, no, no. Cause I've already told them about X, Y, Z and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, cool. So, so yeah, that's, that, that happened probably a couple months ago and I don't know why it came up to me tonight, but yeah. fun little story to share. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, also we have a new friend of the show. Uh, my, my friend, uh, was, talking about uh the orientalism that is inherent in dune uh okay and i i said to her uh i said hey um we have a podcast that just talked about that if you want to give it a listen she gave it a listen and she's uh one episode in on the dune episode uh of course by the time that this hits she'll probably have finished it and will give me notes but um my friend aruj uh so uh if if you're listening uh good on you for enjoying babylon 5 i hope you and your husband enjoy this one too so or well, uh, enjoying Dune. This one is Babylon Five, right? But if they're listening to this, oh yeah, okay, they, they won't. Babylon Five, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, yeah, okay. So, um, speaking of Babylon Five, mm-hmm. uh, that's what we spent a bunch of time last time mm-hmm. uh, with me, kind of, kind of trying. I don't know how successfully to to give an overall understanding of of the 
made-up universe right uh of j michael straczynski's epic Mm -hmm. series Mm -hmm. and so now that we've kind of seen what the what the great the the large shapes and the big themes are kind of involved there right i don't think i explicitly called out the themes but we're going to get back to them Uh and you know hopefully you you remember enough that we'll be able to kind of talk about it oh yeah i i now want to do the 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 reverse of, of the way things usually go when when you're the one guiding everything you do the sure. history first and we then do the make right first. right so now let's let's get into what the world looked like in 1993 particularly from the point of view of dominant mainstream american culture okay okay so in 1989 we got to go back because that's the way this always works yes in 1989 uh the fall of the berlin wall happened in november as the German Democratic Republic allowed <laughs> citizens to freely pass in and out of the country. That is the popularly accepted end <laughs> of the Cold War. Right. Okay. I'm laughing because of the typo that actually led to people storming up to the wall. I was. Are you going to no, cover yeah, that? Yeah, no. I mean, oh, you, okay. you go ahead. No, since you bring it up. Yeah, it, no. It's, basically, it's... as I recall, it was uh, the East German government, um, they were speaking in a like citizens council, and they essentially misread one of the things that they were going to give an announcement for, and it basically came out as "y'all come down to the wall, it's fallen down." Now I'm Damien phrasing quite a bit here, yeah. but you know it's kind of like when you hear that there's going to be a run on the bank. Yeah, you cause a run on the you bank. Cause a run on the bank. Yeah. So and, and that is yeah that is. A, a simplification. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not my but, episode, but, you so know, like like Agent Cho uh, would would say in uh, uh, Wandavision. <laughs> yeah. A simplification, but correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but basically correct. Yeah. Um. And so uh, that was that was again the popularly accepted end of the Cold War. Right. Um. Now in 1991, in February, we had the beginning of Operation Desert Storm. Mm-hmm. Which is which which was the beginning of the active invasion and was the ending of uh, Operation Desert Shield, which had been going on for I don't know over a month before that. Uh, and this is when the United States led an international force in the invasion of Kuwait in order to drive out Iraqi forces. Okay, that's a simplification. Yes, a simplification, but basically, but basically accurate. Correct. Yeah. Um, and now. The thing I want to point out mm-hmm. about this is that it culminated, mm-hmm. uh, the invasion culminated in the Highway of Death. Yes. Where thousands of Iraqi soldiers were killed on their way out of the country. The carnage stopped literally on the Iraqi border mm-hmm. because Bush Sr., who was just Bush then, because we hadn't had Bush the lesser, I mean, <laughs> his son. Yeah. Uh, didn't want to incur the costs and trouble involved in occupying Iraq, and the UN resolution legitimizing the action didn't say anything about removing Hussein from power. Right. In my notes, I have pause for effect. Good God, there is so much to unpack there in hindsight. But anyway, so, Mm -hmm. also in 1991, in August, was the final official no no for realsies dissolution of the ussr right uh the process had started back in 1988 okay i was just going back to christmas of 90 but yeah yeah but, yeah, but i get you you know legally 
yeah. the process that started back in 88 as a response to Gorbachev realizing the authoritarian Soviet system was was falling apart. It yeah. was crumbling. Yeah. Economically, the USSR couldn't stay as the USSR and mm-hmm. continue functioning. Uh, member states at that point, starting in 88, had been claiming ever greater levels of independence mm-hmm. um, until in August of 91, a group of hardliners said, no, fuck that. No, no. Soviet system. You're all part of the Soviet system, which really means the Russian Empire, but Soviet system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they attempted a coup in Moscow. Right. Uh, which was overcome by popular resistance. And very dramatically changed the power dynamic between Gorbachev as right. general secretary of of the party of the USSR mm-hmm. and Boris Yeltsin, yeah, he who was the president of the Russian Federation, right? Who all of a sudden was now the guy. It's kind of like being the governor of Virginia when people storm. Yeah. The, you know, and yeah. and then he uh, comes in yeah. on a National Guard tank or Shows something. Them, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and like aims it at the Duma. Yeah. 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 So, huh. yeah. Yeah. But, you know, fun thing about that, too, is I recall uh, Gorbachev was kind of given the opportunity. So there's, there's kind of a history of any time things are going uh, coup-word, uh, <laughs> the... <laughs> Coup word. Okay. Yeah. I, Anytime okay. the things are going coup-word, the uh, the Secretary General of the USSR would go and take a vacation on the <laughs> on the Black Sea. Yeah. He'd he'd, he'd go to his uh, what's, what's to like the, one his, of those seaside his, villas. Yeah. Essentially. The Russian Dhaka. Yeah. 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 He'd go to the Dhaka, and then they'd be the like, Black "You sea you can just stay there." Yeah. We're not yeah. going to kill you. You so can just stay there. What's, what's remarkable? What mm-hmm. is what is so remarkable is. You know the USSR. When we were growing up, mm-hmm. the USSR was this was this huge communist monolith. That right. Was, that was sold to us as being this this totally alien, nothing like it has ever existed in history. You know, kind of, right. kind of collectivist, you know, right. mind fuck kind of thing. Right. And what's really funny is if you look closely enough at the history over a long enough period of time, no, it was just the Russian fucking empire. Yeah. It was the Russian Empire with a different group of people in charge, because historical inertia is a fucking thing. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. like, and and, and, and yeah, and, there and, it's kind of like the, court, the and the court culture of the czars mm-hmm. was the culture of the Kremlin. It it you yeah, know, the titles were different. I was gonna say it's it it's still, it's like when you know. you know when strip clubs turned into disco clubs, yeah, and then into comedy clubs. You know, they yeah. they were still all called beavers. You know, so it's <laughs> isn't that kind yeah. of the flip side though? It was it was a different thing being called by the same name. In this case, it's the same thing being called by different. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Okay, but, so but, yeah, but it's it's an inversion yeah. of. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, you still kind of prove the beavers point. turns into haha turns yeah. it yeah yeah you know so but uh so so yeah so Gorbachev was given the opportunity as as you're yeah. up to saying that it was yeah. like so. <laughs> Comrade Gorbachev. Yeah. Uh, now that you're on vacation, yeah, we're going to coup you. Yeah, now that you're And that's vacation, usually what happened. It yeah. wasn't like, go down there. It's, na- yeah. we're waiting for we're you to waiting go. waiting for you to go. And okay, and go. And here we go. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now, now we're going to anti-smedley the fuck out of this. Um, <laughs> and so. Do you remember, because I remember yeah. being in, in, in high school. Yeah. Uh, and, and seeing Boris Yeltsin as the president. Yeah. And seeing the fun that people would have. 
with the fact that translators weren't as good as they needed to be with him, uh-huh. largely because of the vodka, but also <laughs> like, well, also because you know, there's there's a real issue with with dialect in any language. Not only dialect, but also with uh, idiom. Yeah. So, for instance, if I recall correctly, to say that someone is tone deaf in Russian is to say that a bear sat on his ear. Yeah. Um, which, if you don't have the context for that, you're like, what in the flying what, fuck is what, that? What, what, um, what, so what, when what? someone asked yeah. him, you know, uh, I think it was like Diane Sawyer or somebody like that, they said, do you think you've been too thin-skinned, that you need to be thicker-skinned in dealing with these problems? And, you know, so you see him listening, and then he speaks, and then the interpreter says, uh, do you want us to end this interview? We're going to have to end this interview if you don't knock this off, basically. And he's like, what? what? Like what, what? What just what happened? Did I say? And it turns out, uh, thin-skinned or thick-skinned. I, I think it came across as, "Do you think you're being a fat hippopotamus?" <laughs> which, 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 on his end, the fuck? Right. Yeah. So no, that's I like that. Yeah. That's, and yeah. there were just there were like many instances <clears throat> like that where the the translation just didn't quite work English to Russian. Yeah. With him. With him. With with others, it seemed to be fine. Yeah. But with him, you know, it, it was specifically yeah, problematic. The, yeah. The vodka yeah. is is <laughs> as much. You know, I remember. God, when was it? Because um, he he wound up staying a a an important figure for years. Oh yeah, he was the president of Russia for for forever. Yeah, and uh, through ninety nine, I want to say, like he uh, passed it off to Medvedev. Yeah, Medvedev, and Med- then Medvedev, Medvedev, yeah. and then and, and then and then Putin took over. Yeah, and, and we're never gonna get rid of him because he's a cyborg and he just won't fucking die. It's not ours to get rid of. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, but. For the sake of the world. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm getting off. The no, subject. no, I'm sorry. He was succeeded by Putin, and then and uh, then Medvedev. Yeah, Putin basically installed yeah. Medvedev, and then came yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. But um, I remember an article. My my first wife mm-hmm. had gotten a Finnish news magazine, and this was in '98. Mm-hmm um her her folks one her dad had gone back to finland and been on a on a trip to talk to university friends of his or something and he'd come back and he brought back a bunch of finnish stuff for Mm -hmm. the family and and you know a bunch of magazines and all that kind of stuff and one of the articles in this in this finnish news magazine Mm -hmm. because they they keep an even closer eye on the russians than anybody else in the fucking world oh why is that oh i wonder um, uh, for those of you not up on your Finnish history, of course, Finland shares a very long land border with the Russian Federation, and they have a long history of being either Russian territory or fighting bloody wars to not become Russian territory. Yeah. So anyway, it was a picture of, of, uh, Yeltsin, mm-hmm. uh, holding up and an AK-47 with a laser sight on it and, mm-hmm. and, you know, posing for, for some kind of, some kind of photo. Uh, and it was, the article was about, you know, Russian military stuff, doctrine. Right. And I just remember looking at it going, oh my God, he looks worse now than he did five years ago. Like, oh like yeah. Canned ham. Yes. Just 
Yes. Like you could you could see his liver dying in real time. <laughs> yeah. It was just that bad. His human foie gras. Yeah. Yeah. It was just awful. So oh, you're so, looking something up. Yeah, I just I because it didn't sit right with me that it was Diane Sawyer because it wasn't. It was Mike Wallace. <laughs> and Mike Wallace better. said to him, "Is Yeltsin thin-skinned about the press?" And that got mistranslated to asking whether the Russian leader was a thick thick-skinned hippopotamus. To which Yeltsin said, an experienced journalist like yourself should express himself in a more civilized fashion. Wow. Mike fucking Wallace. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so Yeltsin takes over. Yeah. So Yeltsin takes over uh-huh. and the USSR, again, completely shatters into, into a whole bunch of little pieces. Um, and the independent states, uh, that, that result, mm-hmm. um, a whole bunch of those wound up, uh, going on to turn around and join NATO mm-hmm. and the EU to defend themselves, strategically speaking, from Russia. I just, I feel like that needs to be stressed. Uh, not so much for my my upcoming thesis sure. in this episode, sure. but just because, again, the pattern of history is such that, like, no, yeah. no, the Russians... We're all terrified of the fucking Russians. Right. We have been since since the Mongols. Yeah. Like historically, the this is Kiev what you and do. Rus are yeah. a terrifying group of people, and we all need to unify against them. What the fuck? Sure. Like is sure. a thing. So anyway, in ninety two, Bosnia and Herzegovina is recognized as an independent state, and ethnic Serb forces open fire on Sarajevo. Mm-hmm. Later that year, Bill Clinton wins election to the White House mm-hmm. on a platform built mostly around how out of touch George H.W. Bush has been from ordinary voters. Uh-huh. I remember there was the, 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 scanner. the scanner. Yep. Yeah. That like he marveled he was, yeah. at the at the at the uh, uh, barcode scanner in a in a grocery store. And really, what he was marveling at was the fact that a laser could now read a barcode, and that it was like he's like, okay, and you just swipe it across. It's actually a pretty normal thing to marvel at at that time. Yeah. Because prior to that, you were typing in codes. Yeah. You know, and so this was a new thing, and the fact that it had the mirror next to it meant that you could you know, bounce it a number of places. Mm-hmm. So he was marveling at that. He was not marveling at the fact that you could scan yeah. groceries. But 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 just like the, the the press took it and ran with the Willie Horton shit. Yeah. So And I, just like yeah. and just like Dukakis got massacred because of how goofy he looked wearing a helmet uh-huh. in a in a tank. Uh-huh. It was the same thing. Yeah, it really was. It really was. So uh you know Anyway, Clinton ran on this whole platform of look how out of touch this guy is with ordinary voters, which, you know, fair cop, a little bit. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and a falling economy. Mm-hmm. You know, the the surge of the Reagan years was now. The mortgaging of the, the Reagan yeah, years. Yeah, the mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. Was now, the, the bill for the mortgage of the Reagan years was now came starting due. to come due. Uh, which and... I do love that the guy left holding the bag was the guy that called out Reagan for voodoo economics. Yeah, it just there's a you symmetry to that. How hard he had to kick himself. Yeah, years later. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so Clinton won mm-hmm. in large part thanks to third party interference mm-hmm. from multimillionaire Texan and certified whack job H. Ross Perot, <laughs> uh, who pulled voters from the right 
away from Bush because Bush had said, read my lips. No new taxes. No new taxes. I thought it was Texas. I thought he was just pointing out they're not going to split into five. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, he kept that promise. He he said, he said no new taxes. And then Greenspan went to him and said, okay, bro, let me, let me explain some things to you here. I understand, you know, you you want to be you want to be the good guy and, and you want to keep that campaign promise. You just literally fucking can't. So he was greensplaining. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, those those voters got got pulled away. Uh huh. Um, and I don't remember what percentage Perot wound up wound up winning. I want to say twelve, but that might be me conflating him with the other third party guy from the South who was like segregation today, segregation, segregation tomorrow, forever. Yeah, yeah Wallace. Uh, um, Wallace. But I want to yeah. say it was about twelve percent. Somewhere in the neighborhood of yeah. between ten to twelve, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, and now I do think it's interesting. What did you call Ross Perot? Certified whack job. Yeah, I think multi-millionaire that... Texan and certified whack job. Yeah. Uh, now this is the same man who paid for a private expedition into Iran to rescue his guys. Oh yeah. And it worked. Yeah. When Carter got beat by a sandstorm. Yeah. Um, which bummer I'm not, that I'm that not sucks. gonna say Perot didn't get shit done. Right. I, I would just also point out that uh, calling him a certified whack job implies that there are amateur whack jobs. Um, and okay. I don't know what the certification process is. Is, okay. is it kind of like being a, a, a an aromatherapist or like you could just like print something out <laughs> that, that, online? Yeah, like how does yeah, this work? Because I always had him down as being an enchanted tree stump with ears. Okay, that's so a good. He was okay. he's a fey lord. Okay, could be. And could be also you, a crypto if you look fascist. At, yeah, yeah, but you know, again, fey lord. Yeah. Um, it's not like they're democratic. I got three buttons on my desk. Yeah, you know, this is this is one that fires senators and this is the one that fires representatives and this one right here that's my favorite one that's the one that makes the trains run on time <laughs> i don't i, I want to say that was saturday night live imagining it very well one, might have been one of yeah. a perot presidency yeah because yeah because data carvey did do a skit yep with perot where he said and y'all y'all better get to bed early Cause you're gonna be surprised when the national wake up call goes off at four thirty <laughs> in the morning. I you loved know. I loved that Dana Carvey had two chances to continue his career imitating a presidential candidate and lost both. Yeah. Uh you know, which which bummer. Yeah. Although he specifically said, I would be fine with not working for four more years doing this. <laughs> so now now uh yeah. I, I also uh there is a comedian in San Francisco, first comedian I ever saw. Yeah. Um, was Will Durst. So okay. I'm on my 18th yeah, yeah. birthday. Okay. And, and I, as, as far as I know, he's in poor health now. Um, but, uh, Will Durst and which is a bummer cause I'd hope to share a stage with him someday, Oh wow. but Oh yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, but Will Durst, uh, he had my favorite quote of all time. He was talking about Ross Perot. And I think he might've even coined the term enchanted tree stump with ears. Cause that's too oh, poetic yeah, for me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he, <laughs> he said that Ross Perot, would say things that made no sense whatsoever, and because of his accent, you accepted it. And he says, and, and he would just walk in and be like, look, you know, they'd ask him, you know, well, what are you going to do about the taxes? Well, you can't put a porcupine up on a bar and expect to make licorice, so here's what we're going to do. And, and that has been a quote that I've used forever, <laughs> um, to the yeah. point now where a student recently, a former student, texted me. Uh, you know, now that he's an adult, you know, he's yeah. off to college. He texts me asking for comic book advice and stuff like that. He texted me and said, I just, and he's in a very Christian college. 
I just used that quote and shut a blowhard down. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> well, that's you, fantastic. You are doing God's work. I with am. That quote. That, yes. Yeah. So, um, but getting back to the 92 election, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's really important to note that the election wound up hinging a hundred percent on domestic politics. Mm-hmm. Like for the first time in literally decades. Yeah. Republicans couldn't really put on the hat and go, I'm, I'm the one that's going to keep you safe at night. I'm yeah. the one who knocks, you know, yeah. they, they didn't they get to Walter White. <laughs> it. They, they can't yeah. because, because We'd against won. who? Yeah. Like, yeah. no. So now you actually have to pay attention to like fixing shit around the house. Yep. Like, Okay. So now that the crack house next door is no longer a threat, which is not a great analogy for the Cold War, but you get what I'm saying. I get you. Yeah, yeah. You know, now that we don't have the big exterior threat we got to worry about, now, how about you fix the gutters? Yep. How about you go out and, oh, by the way, we need a new electrical panel. Mm-hmm. You know, how about, you know, let's do the laundry list of shit that's, you know, needs fixing that you've been putting off because you've had the excuse for forever mm-hmm. of well you know i gotta be standing outside with a shotgun because you know bad guys yeah right yeah you know now that i think about it i mean i'm not saying that uh bush the lesser um yeah and he is the lesser because yeah his and 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 frankly he and his father are both grubs of of a type so he's the lesser of two weevils nice. um but uh but the greater of two evils. Uh, but uh, I would I would point out that second Bush kind of he didn't manufacture. He didn't. No. But he was ready to play it up like a motherfucker as soon as he could. Oh yeah. Um, a foreign. Oh yeah. Crisis. No, as soon as yeah. As soon no. Oh my. I'm yeah. sure. And he came in though saying were, I'm going to be a domestic yeah. guy. Oh yeah. And, but, and I'm sure that there were uh policy and and communications types mm-hmm. within the GOP who the moment the ramifications of 9/11 on American politics occurred to them right they probably had an orgasmic embolism oh yeah because, it was oh my god yeah we don't need to worry about coming up with a domestic agenda ever again yeah and not only that you know, but we could actually win the next election yeah Instead of just cheat to yeah. our way to victory. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, so so the Cold War has ended and now the outside world is a mess. Because mm-hmm. again, I'm going to go back, Bosnia, Herzegovina, we we had, you know, to to the mainstream American dominant, dominant culture mm-hmm. perception, mm-hmm. we had this whole situation happen in Kuwait with, you know, big scary Saddam Hussein, right. you know, running, running into a foreign country and we, we have to, you know, rally everybody. And now we're the unipolar power mm-hmm. in the world. And so like, okay, now that we're, we are the hegemon, mm-hmm. let's fix shit at home because mm-hmm. we got to fix shit at home. Like I said. Right. And so now I, I think it's, it's worth unpacking here. That this is also the moment where this makes the whole situation with the contract with America, mm-hmm. which you keep coming back to for, <laughs> for good reason. Yeah. Um, but this, this is like, this is the roots of that. Yeah, you're right. You know, uh, not, not merely the fact that it was a reaction <laughs> to Clinton getting elected. Right. But the fact that, okay, well, we got it. Like politically, we have to figure out yeah. some way to, to respond to this situation. Yeah. It's kind of like, so a, this is what we're going to do. It's like, fine. We will deal with home stuff. 
and then it's like, oh, that's the shittiest way you could have done it. <laughs> that's like, like, how could you? Why? Have why did you that do that? Harder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, and then because of yeah the the contract with America, Clinton then went, all right, you want to do that? So I'm gonna add work requirements to welfare, and I'm gonna become the <laughs> tough on crime guy. Right. I'm gonna start talking about super predators. Right. And like, oh, you want to get racist? I'll get racist. I'll get racist. Yeah. You know, and the Overton window just like leaps rightward. Yep, it over does. The course, over the course of the next six years. Absolutely. It just gallops to the right. Yep. Um, and so in April 1st of 1992, this mm-hmm. is worth pointing out just because in the middle of looking up what happened in 91 and 92, I found this out. The fifth largest wrestling crowd ever recorded gathered in Toronto. Oh yeah, WrestleMania six. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. I mean, and that's and and that is a changing of the guard that failed, by the way, because that was Hulk Hogan wrestling against the Ultimate Warrior. Right. Warrior beat him. Hulk Hulk went down clean, um, right in the middle of the ring. Uh, Warrior beat him, and everybody was looking at Hogan on his way out instead of Warrior in the ring. Um, Now, interestingly, that WrestleMania, uh, if you because that was ninety. Two? 90. 92. Okay, April 92. 92. Wait, that was 92? No. That wasn't six. That was eight. Okay. But you said Toronto? Toronto. Toronto in 92. Yeah. Yeah, because it was, it was 90 when they did Mania 6. Okay. So I wonder what show this was. I, I couldn't. Find out. I okay. my Google foo was yeah. too okay. weak to well, figure it out. But. Okay, that's not the ultimate warrior. That's not the changing of the guard. Because by ninety two, yeah. by April of ninety two, April of ninety two. That's yeah. that's gonna be right after Mania eight or right before Mania eight, which was in Indianapolis, um, which had one of my favorite matches in it. But uh, it's it's widely regarded as one of the worst WrestleManias because of the match that was on top. Uh, where Hogan again left, yeah. and the Warrior came in to save him from Sid Vicious and uh, Papa Shango. Okay, but Papa Shango was late, so they were beating mm-hmm. on Hogan for too long, and then the Warrior came out late, and it was just a, a schmoz finish. Okay, so interesting. Okay, right. anyway, so, so anyway, Toronto had the fifth largest yeah, fifth ever. largest wrestling crowd ever recorded. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So, and you know, just because I knew there'd be a there'd be a segue there, I had to include that. So. <laughs> Um, and then in December of 92, uh-huh. on his way out of office, Bush orders U.S. troops to Somalia for peacekeeping operations. Okay. In a, in a move that I think historians are going to go over a whole lot of primary source documents forever. And I think it's going to be a long time before we have a definitive answer mm-hmm. about was this, uh, hw seeing that there was something where action was action needed to be taken and he was trying to right do something because hey i'm still the one in charge something needs to be done right now and i gotta do it right or was it just oh all right you want the job fuck you <laughs> here's the first thing you're gonna have to fucking deal with right let me show you how much of a mess the world is motherfucker did i mention i ran the cia for years before i you know got this job was it for years i mean he got yeah, put was, in yeah I, it was under ford i don't know yeah it was ford and then carter kicked him out right after carter came to power okay. so yeah 
But either way, I mean, you know, he, he was a huge politico. Yeah, I mean, no, he, yeah. Was, he was an apparatchik. I yeah. mean, he was the, the, the Republican Party version of an apparatchik. Yeah. He worked his way up through the party. But anyway, mm-hmm. so, so, and again, and again, I think it's important because this is something you said mm-hmm. in the last episode about our perception. And when mm-hmm. I say our perception, I mean the, the perception of dominant white American culture at this time was that all all of these things in the world were happening to us mm-hmm. and Somalia was one more thing that was that was right like, you know and and in in our peculiarly uh, self interested way and I simply mean that in in that we are interested in ourselves mm-hmm. not, not necessarily in a in a way in this context in a way meaning selfishness mm-hmm. but in our in our self-interested way we we you know the the way the whole somalia situation got played on the evening news was like this was this thing that you know we had to get involved in it was this thing that you know we had to do it was it, it was again this thing that was happening to us never mind the fact it's literally on the other hemisphere of the fucking planet right it's happening to a whole bunch of people who are a lot less well off than Mm -hmm. you know the most unfortunate american is is wealthier by an order of magnitude Mm -hmm. than than the average somali right you know certainly at this time and and you know i'm speaking again in very broad terms but like you know the level I'm, I and and I don't mean to say I, I don't want anybody to think that I'm I'm somehow like speaking denigratingly of, of no it's it's a fact of economic yeah power. I'm, I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to point out the privilege involved mm-hmm. in our perception yes as a as a dominant culture of of like how how this is going on right and so you know we have this situation to to take all of that and and kind of tie it together a little bit before we move on Go ahead. I, I am curious like you are focused very much on the external and i understand that and yeah. i kind of see where that's going when you've got a show based on a star base yes but internally yeah uh 1990 1991 and 1992 i mean we just did the whole thing about the the LA riots yeah um you know, and and I'm I'm interested as to why is it just because you are focused outside of the U.S. Part of it, yeah, part of it is okay. that um, okay because because of the nature of, of kind of the argument I'm I'm going to get to make. okay but I I think I think the 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 events that were taking place here in our country mm-hmm. in 1991 92 uh, fed into I don't want to say the B plot but the the other half. Of the main story arc. Okay. Um, and I think in Straczynski's subconscious. Okay. He was thinking about large-scale external arcs of okay. history. As opposed to internal rot. As, as opposed okay. to... Uh, there is there is some internal rot. I was going to say, because from what you've focus, told me of the Babylon yeah, 5 so, communities and, yeah. and cultures, it did seem like there was some corruption within yeah. as well. So, okay. Yeah. Okay, I get you. Yeah. So, so, so the, the story arcs mm-hmm. I see as being very much a response subconsciously. I don't think, I don't think this was anything 
you know, I, I don't think I don't think Straczynski sat down and was like, no, no, I'm I'm gonna write something to talk about, you know, our role as hegemon and and you know the the unipolar you know nature of of power in this new world. Right. But the story arcs I think are responses to that. Mm-hmm. And so Kosh versus Morden is is in the early in the first three seasons of the show mm-hmm. uh we have uh the the we we have kosh on the one side and morden working for the shadows on the other and the moral choices that every character gets faced with mm-hmm. because again kosh looks at everybody and says who are you mm-hmm. and he he pushes characters to really get self-aware Okay. And to really understand literally who they are and and where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Morden asks them kind of the same question but from a very different angle and it leads to a different train of thought. Morden looks at somebody and goes, "What do you want?" I was about to say there's there's the essence and then there's the existence. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and everybody who makes a deal with Morden mm-hmm. gets what they want. Mhm. And then they wind up paying for it. Right. And everybody who listens to Kosh and doesn't get scared and run away. Because mm-hmm. there's there's a wonderful, wonderful moment when uh, Molari mm-hmm. gets kind of buttonholed okay. somewhere by Kosh. Who just, you know, it's whoever, whoever the actor slash puppeteer was who was in the encounter suit did a wonderful job mm-hmm. of, of, you know, this big looming semi-robotic looking you know alien kind of kind of slides up on him mm-hmm. and the and the the one-eyed you know head of the, of sure. the counter suit t- kind of tilts to one side and and you can even though there's no there's no eyebrows there's no nothing but you can you know from the tilt of the of the head yeah the way the iris on the eye kind of contracts you can it, it's you know i'm really looking at you right right and the and the deep synthesized voice says who are Hmm. Not in a looming, threatening, kind of intimidating way, but in a in a Conf- confrontational way, though. Confrontational, yeah. but but in a I'm asking you this question, right? Kind of way. And Molari, it sweats. Hmm. Like like it's this wonderful moment where, like he sees who he is. Right, right. And doesn't want to face it. He doesn't want to face it. Okay. And, and and I don't remember my timelines, but he basically runs to Morden. Okay. Like, you know, on, on the timeline of the series, he goes he goes straight to Morden and goes, "I'll tell you what I want. I want the planet Narn back. I want the Empire to be great again. I want you know this that." Right. And Morden goes, "My friends can help you with that." Mm-hmm. And yeah, and and so a generation before, mm-hmm. a generation before, the shadows would have been. An allegory somehow for the USSR. Okay. Okay. The way they are mm-hmm. in the actual show, they're apolitical. The 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 difference between the Vorlons and the Shadows isn't political. It isn't ideological. Mm-hmm. It's spiritual. It is. It is. It is essential. It is. Yes. Oh, that's yes. a wonderful way of putting it. Yeah. And and so the Shadows are a moral threat. They 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 represent what's going to happen to us if we make the wrong. Cho- we we are the hegemon, right? 
what's going to happen to us if we make the wrong choices? Huh. If we don't look at who we are. Right, right. And figure out who we are and we just say, well, what do we want to do? Huh. We're the big guy on the block. We right. We can do, like, who's going to stop us, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Straczynski was was interested in this very large scale moral kind of question sure in part because of what the world scene looked like Mm -hmm. at the time they sat down to write it and so uh what what we wind up finding out spoiler Mm -hmm. alert the series is you know well over 20 years old so i don't feel too bad about that um the the what we find out is the vorlons in the shadows are remnants of an earlier generation of races and and all the rest of the races of their generation have ascended to becoming energy beings they exist on a higher plane the vorlons in the shadows stayed behind mm-hmm. in order to to help younger races or in order, in order to point younger races in the direction of that ascension okay the Vorlons want to do it by encouraging younger races to work together to cooperate and to and to be uh, uh, collective pacifistic might not be the right word, but but want to cooperative urge, urge yeah. cooperation. Sure. The shadows believe no no, nature red in tooth and claw, mm. you're going to ascend when you become strong. So all this and suffering. So they to, and so they yeah. want to. Inst- they want to create chaos mm-hmm. in order to push everybody. Because when everybody is fighting, they're all driven to become stronger. Yeah, you sharpen yourself. Evolution. So it's it is it is about cooperation and and cohesion and unity versus strife and chaos. So in other words, we're talking democratic socialism and capitalism. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, you could. Yeah. yeah. So you got the um, one. Now, that we're, now yeah. that we're living in even later stage capitalism. Sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. But yeah, there were plenty of people clear. making those claims at, <clears throat> at that time. time. Yeah. yeah. So okay, let me let me just back you up a hair. Okay. So, the essentialists versus yeah. the existentists. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, the who are you? Mm-hmm. They were the ones saying like, our goal is that people become collective. Or, or am I miss? Am I? Am I... Yeah. Well, okay. they're they're maybe not become collective, but instead of solving problems through violent conflict, mm-hmm. that they find that common ground. That they, that they find common ground. Okay. So they want people to look at themselves, to reflect, uh, to see themselves for who they really are. Yes. And the others want them to externalize their angst. Yeah. And, and through doing that, that angst will be visited upon, upon others. Number one, you will strengthen yourself and you will burn away the weakness. Yeah. Number two, they'll be forced to do the same yeah. to you mm-hmm. and you'll both be sharper for it. Yes. Okay. So one side a bad, is... A, a yeah. shallow reading of Nietzsche Yeah. on one side. Yeah. And a shallow yeah. reaching, uh, reading of... Uh, what is it? Locke? I was going to say Bentham. Okay. Nah, maybe. Yeah, I don't. I I struggle with utilitarians, but um, yeah. There's there's a collaborative thing that needs to happen over there. Yeah. So, but it's also reflective. Yes. You know, so it's like look at yourself. You are the man in the mirror. You need to make that change. Whereas over here, you're gonna be blind, Mm -hmm. uh, with so much disregard. Yeah. So okay. Cool. 
All right. Nice. So make that way change. To, way to get that yeah. reference in there. Thank you. Not even mad. Oddly no. enough, not even mad. So now, at the same time though, mm-hmm. so so we have we have the the arc of the first three almost four seasons of the show. Uh huh. Is the Vorlon Shadow War. And how long does this show go for? Is it five? Five seasons. Five seasons. Okay, so just enough for syndication, really. Yeah. Okay. And so, so that's that's like the first three seasons uh-huh. focuses almost entirely on that. Mm-hmm. Now, in the background of those first three seasons, though, mm-hmm. from the very beginning, there's also a storyline happening simultaneously mm-hmm. where uh, the president, the the president of the Earth government. Mm dies under mysterious circumstances and we find out about it and like it's it's within the first two or three episodes of the show mm-hmm. and his vice president takes over and immediately starts pulling the direction pulling the government in the direction of okay look we're done mm-hmm. with all of this and counters with alien species stuff we need to we need to fix things here at home we just suffered ah. this devastating war sure we need we need to focus on things at home and that goes from there mm-hmm. to over over time the word coming out of earth is getting gradually more and more xenophobic mm-hmm. and people who don't agree with him are starting to disappear what year is this happening in our lifetime in our lifetime this would have been the beginning of the tv series so 91 92 no 93 oh Sorry, okay 93. so that's that's the beginning yeah. of it oh okay yeah. okay because yeah. i'm just thinking about uh you know deep space nine and its arc and you don't get to the xenophobia until uh really until the dominion yeah. is shown oh, and yeah. that's that's not till like season three or four yeah so no, then, it's this, this really is, kicks this in. Is, this is a background okay. story during right. the war on Shadow War. This is kind of this is the background story okay. going on within okay. Earth Force, and one of the challenges that the first, uh, the, the two commanders of of Bad Five wind up running into uh-huh. is their Earth Force military officers, and they're having to constantly tell the folks back home, no, 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 we need to be paying attention to this, uh-huh. because if we're not part of the solution to this, we're gonna we're gonna get wrecked. Sure. And the home government going, it's an alien problem. Like we don't give a shit. Like right, no, right, we don't right. care. And so at first that's the subtext for it is no, no, we've just got to drag everybody mm-hmm. into being. And again, this is the early nineties, so that's the conflict between, you know, the the uh, internationalists, you know, the the, the I don't want to say the New World Order. But the, the, the yeah. The 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 um, World Trade Organization, mm-hmm. you know, the, the folks who were saying, like, no, no, we need to be more connected on the world stage we need right. to be part of these coalitions we need to be doing all this stuff which is and just and an folks, echo of 1945 which is just an echo of 1918 uh, yes and yeah and ad nauseum yeah you know, quite like, quite for, yeah. forever um and well so, once the capitalists realize oh man we could squeeze the shit out of the poor yeah then they're kind of on board then, then things happen yeah, yeah. so 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 at first that's that's uh-huh. the subtext. Uh-huh. Well then it becomes overtly no no. He did the vice president did in fact have the president assassinated. <laughs> you know, the main the main characters get a hold of evidence that no no that is what happened. Is that is they that still out, season 1? This is Tell they, me that season 2 or 3. Proof that it would have been I want to say it was in season 2 or season 3. Cuz Rwanda was 93. 
and there's a president flying and blowed up yeah um interesting and so they they get they get proof that Mm -hmm. it was an assassination and about the same time they figure that out the earth earth government goes straight up fascist Hmm. uh they institute a new like a like a force within earth force Mm -hmm. uh that's kind of the secret police uh sass okay yeah uh, and there's a great episode where you know the security forces aboard the station mm-hmm. are are infiltrated by these people. Okay, uh, like folks who are openly night watch. Mm-hmm. Say it was night watch. Are like, you know, get everybody in the security forces to to join night watch because mm-hmm. they're like, you know, no, this is this is how we're going to solve things. We got to we got to have a strong hand on it. And Garibaldi, the commander of of security, says. Uh, no. If you're wearing a Night Watch badge on your uniform, you're going to take your security badge off and you're going to walk out the fucking door and you're going to leave your gun right here. Oh, wow. He doesn't use the swear, of course. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. says, no, if you're Night Watch, you're not one of my people. Okay. And there's there's a great, there are always men like you kind of scene, you know, where essentially that's, that's the moment where the soul of Bab Five gets saved, if I'm remembering it correctly, you know. And and Garibaldi manages to convince the majority of the security staff that no, no, these are Nazis, mm-hmm. and we're not Nazis. Gotcha. Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. No. And and actually has to win over you know a kind of a second tier character who's you know uh, uh, one of the people we like. Who has been, you know, seduced by by Nightwatch, mm-hmm. and so um, so we we also have this other arc that winds up getting resolved and in, in finally by the end of season five, mm-hmm. where as a response to winning in air quotes the Earth Mimbari War, simply because as I explained before, the Mimbari just suddenly said, "Oh yeah, hey, sorry about that, we surrender." when they were about to, you know, burn Earth to a cinder and there was nothing we could do about it. <laughs> and they said, oh, yeah, sorry, peace out, you know. Right. Um, and we never got an explanation, but we won, kind of. And so, you know, in in response to that, mm-hmm. we have this rising fascist mm-hmm. threat within Earth's government that leads to a civil war and, you know, different sides of Earth force fighting against each other. And that winds up getting resolved at the end of the series, mm. with, you know, the fascists losing. Oh, nice. But, but Straczynski had both of these arcs in his mind from the very beginning of the series. Mm-hmm. So we have this very spiritual, moral, you know, uh, cooperation, goodwill versus nature, red and tooth and claw chaos, Sure. Warfare kind of dimension to the story, which I think, again, is motivated very much by, you know, look at where we are in the world. What are we going to do from here? And then at the same time is this very grounded in history. Um, we just lost, we just almost lost a war. Mm-hmm. And what's going to happen to our politics, you know, on, on, on a similar level? Right. What choices are we going to make? Kind of, kind of thread 
that is very overtly political and very overtly makes references to sure. you know post World War One Germany, mm-hmm. and both of them, I think, are coming from as as Straczynski is coming up with the story arcs. Both of them are coming from this place where we didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. You know, people were talking about the end of history. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was it was postmodernism. And and then like inject it with steroids yeah. like post postmodernism yeah like, what was the philosopher is uh, Fuji Fujikawa I forget I forget his name okay. I I'll, I'll look it up but he's the one that talked about the end of history the end of history yeah yeah but and and like I remember around the same time one of the big uh, kind of hits that was on MTV I want to say it was in '93 when I was graduating high school. Fukuyama, um, that was his yeah, name. yeah. I apologize, yeah. Francis Fukuyama. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The end of history. And he published that in 1992. Yes. Yeah. And at that same time, right here, right now, mm-hmm. uh, was was in heavy rotation. Oh, you're right. It was '91, '92. Yeah. You know, watching the world wake up from history was was oh. you know the tagline of the chorus. Oh, you're thinking. Oh, okay. Uh, I was. I was thinking of the Van Halen song oh, right, yeah. right no, now. Right now. Well, I mean, same. It really is. I mean, but you were talking about Jesus Jones. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. Right and, here, right now. Yeah. And, okay. And, and, you know, the Jesus Jones song is much mm-hmm. more overt about, you know, look at what's going on in the oh, world. Oh, quite so. Yeah. Van Halen, again, mm-hmm. is the spiritual look at who you are. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Hey, it's everything right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. And very immediate and very, very yeah. You know. Oh wow! I like that tie-in. Nice job. So you know, and and because we were in this place where we had spent fifty years, <laughs> the year before that, you had unbelievable. By the way, yeah. <laughs> so by EMF, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. We had spent five decades. Yes. Staring into the face of of an adversary. Right. You know, thinking that like this is this you know titanic existential threat. Right. We thought it. They thought it. Like whether it was actually grounded in that or not. Sure. You know, we can kind of quibble with as historians, but living through it, everybody was convinced that you know that was, and we all, in the way humans do, we all thought that was just the way it was going to be like forever. Yeah, we normalized it. You know, you, and, we we were the mayfly born during a storm. Yeah, it's like the world is a rainy place. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the storm the, ended. The storm ended. <laughs> May and, you be born in interesting storms. Yeah, and the <laughs> and the and the adversary, mm-hmm. you know, crumbled. Right. Fell away. Right. Said, "I'm sorry, I can't keep up the staring contest. I'm I'm done." Yeah. And then, like, okay, well, now what are we going to do? Because there was not a cataclysmic end, as yeah. as had happened previously in, in 1945. Yeah. There was the destruction and, and total leveling of Germany yeah. and Poland. And there was also two giant fucking bombs yes. that were cataclysmic. And, and I mean that in all the ways that that word exists. So our idea of... Of okay, and now it's settled. Absolutely, is built on this cataclysm model because we, uh, as a culture, had seen World War One end not with a bang but with a whimper. Yeah, and that just didn't quite sit right. So we came back for round two, 
as 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 a world. Um, but so as a, then, as a species. Yeah, yeah, but then when the Cold War ended, not with a bang, but with a whimper, um, you kind of it's it's you and I have both done this as men and as dads and as as just whatever. Like you get amped up for a thing, and then the thing doesn't happen. Like whether it's oh, yeah. I need to save my kid from something. Oh, it turns out he turned left instead of right. Anyway, I'm good. Yeah. Or it's, uh, oh, good, I'm going to get naked time with my wife. Oh, I guess the sink blew up. I guess I'm dealing with that. <sighs> i got to replace this so, toilet on Friday night right. rather than getting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, which, which may sound oddly specific, and yes, yeah. it is. Well, you know, plumbing but, plumbing gets in the way of plumbing sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but um, it, it just that, that, what do you do with that buildup of adrenaline? What do you do with that emotional buildup? Yeah. When you don't have the cataclysmic release, that is the other side of that yeah. that mountain, and inevitably, uh, it goes poorly. I, I don't want to speak too much out of turn, but I knew somebody once who, and I'm going to keep it very vague, who spent a lot of time uh, dying from something, and then they didn't die from it. And then that made their life worse. And then you got to figure out how you're going to carry on after that, after the chain of decisions you'd made right. based on the fact right. that, well, I'm not going to be around here very much longer. So... Right. Well, and you made your peace with it, oh. and you had the time to make your peace with it, which very many people don't get don't, to do. Don't get, yeah. Cool. And then it didn't happen, and it's like, that ruined your life, you know? And and so I just I, I think of that very often, or yeah. I think of the chief in Little Big Man, um, the Dustin Hoffman oh, film. Yeah. Where he takes him up there and he's talking to him. He's like, okay, I'm going to die now. And he lays down and it pans back and it's this very sad moment. And then it just hangs for a while and the chief doesn't die. And I think the rain hits him on the face. And he's like, yeah. he's a little pissed off when he gets up. He's like, I guess now's not the time. And, you know, he storms off. Yeah. Yeah. So that in many ways culturally is what, what happened in yeah. the cold. Because it wasn't like in Vietnam it was a cataclysm. It was a cataclysmic defeat. It was an embarrassing oh, yeah. defeat, oh, it was massive, but it was traumatizing. a cataclysm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can you can do something with that. Now, usually, it's fall into alcoholism and abusing people, but <laughs> and we as a culture but, certainly did that yeah. effectively. But uh, but it's still a marker of the end of it. Whereas there this, is the, a clear there is a yeah. clear point at which you can say okay. The helicopter got dumped off the aircraft carrier. And now we're done. And now we're done. Exactly. And Whereas when with the USSR, it's like you hit them with the bleed attack at the beginning of the round. Yeah. And that's what actually killed them. And you're like, yeah. but I was saving up for my special move. I, I had, yeah. I had a smite. I had all these nukes ready. Like what shit, What man? do we do? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, that's so interesting to me because cause when that happened, you also start to see you start to see porn moving out of the theaters and onto VHS too. Okay. And people are drawing in. Well, yeah. Um, and the VHS craze really takes off and, and people stop going mostly after Pee Wee Herman, um, stop, <laughs> stop going to porn theaters as often. And, and now it's, it's much less a collective experience. Um, and then like, and then the internet kicks on and well, you're downloading yeah, pictures. I mean, yeah, no, the internet, is still if we're talking about 93 94 the internet is still i mean functionally oh, okay in 95 sunny yeah. was the most downloaded woman on AOL okay from WWF okay um and and so that's 95 
right? Okay. And and so, yes, in 94, it didn't seem like much was happening. And then yeah. in 95, suddenly you have a measurement like that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm saying, like, after okay. all that happened, people start yeah. coming in into their own homes for this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. for all kinds of stuff. Too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, 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 the gradual retreat into our homes as our... As the uh, external threat is seeped away. Yeah. Everybody stops collectivizing out of their homes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fascinating. Because then you also had the the baseball strike in ninety four, ninety five. Yeah, and you, wow. I think there's a confluence involved. I, I think. Yeah, I don't I think, think it's I causal. Think it's, it's not. Yeah, but, but it is a whole lot of things suddenly reacting, happening, and yeah. pulling people out of the public space. Yeah. Hmm. It's an interesting thought. Yeah. Because yeah. um, attendance in wrestling was way down. Okay, in nineties, in ninety five. By the way, the the thing that you were talking about in ninety two, I'm pretty sure your year is off because oh, two years earlier okay. it was nineteen ninety and it was April first and it was a Toronto Toronto Maple Dome okay. or whatever it's called, and that was one of the largest houses ever at that okay. time. And there had been Toronto's so a huge okay. wrestling town, but yeah, it was I off by two years. Source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think. And and I think there's an interesting contrast mm-hmm. between the way this is reflected in Babylon Five and the way this gets reflected in DS Nine, because mm-hmm. this does get reflected in DS Nine. Yes. But interestingly, mm-hmm. for a property that is the child of Roddenberry or the grandchild of Roddenberry, yep, DS Nine treats it all on a much more grounded. Mm-hmm. Much more uh, uh, intergalactic, political, mm-hmm. you know, political military kind of way, mm-hmm. and and the the all of the internal reflection that's mm-hmm. involved is on a very personal level. Yes, it is. And Kira, Odo, Bashir later on. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Cisco. You know, yeah, later on. Later on. Yeah. Yeah. And there isn't, it isn't framed in this Tolkienian light versus darkness, right? Epic kind of kind of framing. It is no, no. There is the Dominion, mm-hmm. which is this, you know, multi-species, you know, fascist empire, right? You know, on the other side of the wormhole gate, and we've we've got to worry about them invading, right? Right. And it's and it's still very much grounded in. It, it it is it is more recognizable mm-hmm. as a as a an allegory as a direct allegory for the real world. Do you think some of that has to do with okay, Babylon Five didn't have in ninety two, um, two series before it stretching over forty years. Oh, I'm sure. Or stretching over twenty years, uh, to to mm. kind of guide, shape, and mold its storytelling. Like it came on. And maybe this is why I was turned off of Babylon 5, because Star Trek, the original series, I've also never really appreciated much. There's aspects of it I like. But it's starting, and it, it's kind of like, you know, that comparison I've always made with Edison and Westinghouse. Yeah, yeah. You know, all the energy goes into the startup, and there's not as much energy in clean storytelling. So, um, you know, in, in many ways, it just kind of suffers from being new kid on the block that way, but... Uh, DS9 had a very rich tradition of storytelling through uh, TNG and then stretches back to TOS. Um, and so it had plenty it could pull on 
when when they ran dry a few times here and there. Yeah, I you know? think. I Whereas think... Babylon 5 had to generate everything itself. Yeah, I yeah. think I think that's part of it. Okay. I think also there is a, an interesting tendency that we have. This goes all the way back to troubadours in the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. When there is an established canon mm-hmm. of something. Right. It is easier, I think, for us to say, oh, okay, I recognize these symbols. I recognize this world. I know this right, framework. Right. This is legitimate. See, that's why I think the Caddyshack 2 is better than Caddyshack. Okay, well, see there. Because you have... You already had everything established. Yeah, and you have the Diane Cannon effect. Yes. Because um, there's an established Diane Cannon in Caddyshack 2. So. Good day, sir. <laughs> I do actually that think it's I'm a better movie. About. <laughs> um... That that might be something we got to talk about in an episode, sure. Sometime, but because I will I will argue with you, but um. So established canon. I'm so, sorry. So, but because because you already knew the universe for Star Trek. Yes. And funny rubber faced aliens. Yeah. It was easier for you to go. Well, you know the effects aren't like I've perfect, seen those. But I've yeah. seen those before. And yeah. I know what's going on there. Whereas Babylon Five shows up and you're like, well, I don't know any of this shit. This seems chintzy. Like. Yeah, this doesn't because it's it, it's it, also it, too much. And I'll, I'll tell you, as a person who never watched it, one of the reasons I never watched it, too much intellectual weight. It's the same reason that that bookshelf is filled with nothing but Star Wars books. <laughs> I can dive into those books. No problem. Do you see any other fiction in this room? No. no. You know why? That takes too much effort. Like I am historically lazy when it comes to nonfiction. Uh, you know, what do you mean fiction. Yeah, fiction. I'm sorry. Nonfiction. You're, you're the. <laughs> I'm all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're you're probably right. Like I, but I think I'm also lazy when it comes to that. I have so much knowledge of stuff. I can just pick up and be like, I know this world. Here we go. Yeah, okay. Good. You know. Yeah, um. That's true. But but yeah, when it comes to fiction, I'm like, oh fuck, it's, it's just, is wedge uh, in this? Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Well, and again, yeah. yeah. You know, interestingly. And you love picking up new shit. Yeah. And you love world building, so it makes yeah, oh, perfect sense yeah. that you went for the lesser of the two options. Fuck you. Well, because five is less lesser. than nine. Oh, okay. All yeah. Right, yeah, all right. Yeah, <laughs> Um. So, yeah, I, I uh-huh. think I think um, it's it's an interesting comparison, especially when, when you think about what a, you know, anvilicious guy Roddenberry was. Yeah. And I, I think part of it is also that bear and the other guys who were involved in ds9 were responding to roddenberry being so anvilicious yeah we talked about that before yeah it was like no no we're actually going to deal in some shades of gray yeah not if the federation is not always going to be the paragon <laughs> shining good guy oh, gene's dead now we can do the cool shit <laughs> yeah you know and i i take issue with him you calling him anvilicious he clearly was the hammer okay um because he, he loved pounding, pounding the hell out of as many women he could <laughs> So I, I thought yeah. you meant the point, but yes, that yeah, too. Yeah. Okay. On yeah. occasion. On occasion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't you see he's black on one side of his face and white on the other? I'm, you know. Now here's yeah. Detroit. You know? Yeah. You know, like, oh, wow. You know, yeah. um, but you know, and, and, and the thing that made DS nine mm-hmm. so polarizing mm-hmm. amongst the Star Trek fandom at the time was that it was, 
this departure in all of those ways. Like the people, the people aboard the station did not like each other. No, they and didn't. They did not get along. No. And you know that had been part of Roddenberry's story bible was we don't do that shit. Right. You know. Right. No, everybody gets along. It's the future. We it would. We don't have these interpersonal conflicts. We've evolved beyond that. It would be like making another uh, Coyote versus Roadrunner series, and the Coyote just fucking mauls the Roadrunner. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, like, you're like, wait, what? Wait, like that works? I have canine teeth. Yeah, I, I can Why actually. Why do I yeah. need all the rest of this shit? Yeah. Like no. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm a pack hunter. Why am I? Wait, coyotes are. Yeah. Oh. Where's the rest okay. of my? Where's the rest of my family? Oh, you know what it is. I always okay. only ever see a single coyote because he's yeah. drawing out the prey. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. yeah. No. Um. I, okay. I can tell you from growing up in the neighborhood that I did. Mm-hmm. They are pack predators. Okay. Uh, because you will hear you will hear one of them howl. Oh yeah, yeah. We have that out here. And then, actually, and, and you can hear them bang. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my, my mother, uh, when I was only a few months old, mm-hmm. or no, I'm sorry, it was in the House of Scripture, and so I was over a year old, but I was little. Sure. Uh, my dad was on cruise. Mm-hmm. My mom was home alone with me. We had just moved into our house, and mm-hmm. there was wilderness. Yeah, yeah, back yeah. Back behind the house. And um, a pack of coyotes began baying literally right outside <laughs> her bedroom door. Oh, wow. On, on the back patio, and just... She to this day tells the story with with fear in her fear eyes. Her yeah. Because yeah. Wow. So okay. So anyway, tab five. But yeah, DS nine um, folk did not like each other. Yeah. And yeah. and you know, whereas on on Bab five, mm-hmm. clearly people didn't like each other because of because of the the backgrounds they were all coming from. Right. The the fact that people didn't like each other was organic to just the nature of the universe that it took place in. Right. And it was because, and, and, and the difference between them was the, the scale, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word of the, of the ultimate differences mm-hmm. was, was very much more, I think more grounded mm-hmm. in DS9. Because they yeah. were working very hard to try to be gritty mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. try to introduce that aspect into the story they were telling. But they're also in a lived-in universe. But they, but they a, were a universe that you were used to. You had shorthand yeah. for. You knew what dilithium was. You knew what photon torpedoes were. Yeah. Uh, or no, proton torpedoes. Photon torpedo. No. I never proton remember. Torpedoes proton torpedoes. Star Wars. Thank proton you. Okay. Is Star Trek. Yeah. Photon. You know what those were. You knew yeah. what a force field was. You knew what transporters were. You knew how shit worked. Yeah. Which is why they were like, and now we're going to make Cardassian tech work with, uh, you know, Trek tech poorly. Because then you're like, oh, oh, yeah, that that makes like they could just shoehorn you into that yeah. through poor miles, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas Bab 5, you have to you have to explain all of that. And you can't yeah. use those words because that's someone else's yeah, IP. Somebody else's intellectual property. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and so there's this there's this remarkable um space opera space fantasy mm-hmm. element to things in bab five that is that is you know because star trek is also like you know uh uh scientific gobbled scientific sounding gobbledygook oh yeah yeah you know 
uh, uh, unobtainium kind of yeah kind of stuff. tech talk tech talk tech talk yeah you yeah know. whereas like in places in Bab Five no it's literally magic mm-hmm. like we're we're not even gonna we're not we're not gonna try to fuck around with that no it's literally magic okay but at the same time in the same universe where this is a spiritual thing don't question it is also the one in which well you know we know that earth force vehicles earth force starships are more primitive than in barring ones because they have big rotating sections to create gravity right 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 because we're gonna we're gonna you know there was there was this weird juxtaposition between mm-hmm. where where are we gonna be hard science fiction and where are we gonna go full-on no no it's game of thrones in space sure which they wouldn't have actually said because game of thrones followed this by yeah yeah, yeah. decades but you get what i'm saying mm-hmm. like no no this is this is a fantasy novel in space but we're going to pick places where it's going to be right you know very hard science fiction and so they're both dealing with the same things in the zitgeist mm-hmm. but they're coming at them from two completely different directions yes and i think um each of them is made great in its own way by that hmm. because it would have been very hard for Babylon five to have, um, and I'm forgetting the, the title of the episode, but where, where Cisco winds up, uh, either imagining the, 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 the couple of episodes. Where oh, where he becomes Benny. Yeah. 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 You know, it would be very hard for Bab five to do that because of right. the tone of the show. DS nine was able to do that real, really well. And, and, you know, having the crew of actors that they had was a big part of that. Um, You know, by the same token, you're never going to be able to see uh, anybody in Star Trek pull off, uh, you know, uh, Sheridan uh, crashing a starship into Zaha Doom to try to destroy the shadows. Okay. You know, because that's just tonally, that's not how it works. Well, and like you said, like there's an entire scene where uh, there was, you know, the the waving at his head on a pike. Yeah. You're not going to have that in DS9. You're just not. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, that that level of, because Straczynski is really great about, no, no, I'm going to take this and I'm going to go all the way to 11. Mm -hmm. And DS9, and I think Trek in general, Mm Mm-hmm is a little bit afraid actually a lot afraid to no no we're, we're gonna this is space opera now right so we're so we're going to let the soprano go right yeah you know, they, they don't they don't do that there there is there's this really weird it's all super technology but we're, we're gonna keep things grounded and believable mm-hmm mm-hmm whereas well because just because it's super technology i mean keep in mind a pencil and paper are super fucking technology yes um they're just not because they're such a ubiquitous part of our life yeah same thing with with oh yeah star trek yeah Yeah. so i mean i've i've made my case yeah at this point uh whether i've whether i've succeeded or not will be up to the viewer you know or listener what what do you what do you take away from this now now that we're now that we're at the end what's your what's your takeaway what is what what does it leave you with it leaves me for an appreciation for the creative artistic vacuum that existed in the early 90s. And okay. because you see such fertile things coming up, and yet it still feels like a desert there. Like the 80s were very clearly the 80s. 
Oh, yeah. You know, and they were far less creative, I'd say. I genuinely would. I think they were much more formulaic. They really dialed into this is what direct-to-video market is. Yeah. This is what action movies are. This is, this is, this is. Okay. But in the 90s, your action stars are older, and they're making fewer films. In the 90s, you don't have the very obvious tropified uh, evil empire outside your gates. Yeah. Um, and as a result, it takes some time to find your feet creatively. Yeah. And it ain't for lack of trying. Because don't you have Vertigo and Dark Horse comics starting up around then? Oh, I'll have to look that up. Yeah. But yeah, it's sometime around that. They, they're at least popularizing big time in the, in the early 90s, yeah. you know? Um, and you have, you know, again, you have uh, new versions of uh, Star Trek coming up in the early 90s. You have, mm-hmm. you know, DS9. You have Babylon 5 coming up. You have mm-hmm. this idea of stations being a departure from the old idea of moving exploration, which is what we mm-hmm. talked about last time. And I think that you you don't have, you still don't have as iconic a creative movement as you had in the 80s, even though that was less creative. Mm-hmm. So I think with that hegemony, with that... Uh, the taking away of the very obvious and easy to lean against trope, mm-hmm. um, you have some shuffling of feet. Because I do think that by the late 90s, you have some very obvious late 90s stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, but the early 90s, what you think of all the time, you don't think of it in terms of art, you think of it in terms of advertisement. You think of Bugle Boy, you think of Neon, you think yeah. of that stupid font extreme yeah you know um you think of those things but you don't think of um you know you 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 don't think of creative stuff in the early 90s you think of creative stuff in the late 90s yeah what's interesting Uh so i I did look it up uh vertigo the vertigo imprint Mm -hmm. from dc Mm -hmm. uh started in 1993 there you go dark horse comics was actually founded in 86 Mm mm-hmm but I think they broke through. Yeah, I was gonna say popularized. Yeah, around ar- around that same time. Yeah, that's also similarly kind of also the same time as you know Image. I was gonna say Alan and, Moore is is getting guys. going on some properties too in oh, the yeah. early '90s as well. Uh, yeah, extraordinary gentleman. Yep, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, and of course with the Vertigo imprint, we're talking about Sandman. We're talking about mm-hmm. um, Spawn. Uh, Mm, spawn yeah spawns around the same time yeah. it's because one of my college roommates mm-hmm. uh, oh we talked about the anti-heroes too yeah yeah. Well, yeah uh yeah so i mean it's yeah and that's yeah that's part of the same reaction to what was going well on and before. and in the 90s you you don't you in wrestling you don't get the anti-heroes until about six years later because there's a floundering that happens in the 90s wrestling well, still trying to figure out who that. it is because they've lost hulk hogan um, because I am oh, a real American doesn't matter as much when he's not having to fight the foreign guy yeah. of the week. Um, and so there's some like, well, how do we grow? How do we do this? How do we do that? Um, and yeah, it, 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 it is hard to identify it as a genre so much as you can identify, oh, these people were the champions and this happened, but it, it's, it's considered a real lull time. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, so again, uh, the early 90s has a unique stamp of not having a unique stamp, 
I guess. Yeah. And works, and it has spawned. Being kind of inchoate. And, yeah. And undefined. And yet it has spawned two series that exist entirely on stations, practic or or you know primarily yeah. on stations. Yeah. Which don't fucking move. Yep. They're stations. That's their job. Um, it comes from the Latin sto stare, which means to stand, <laughs> to stay put. And yet when you have a thing on a station, it is a departure and the plot has to come to it, which means you have to get much more. There's so much more creativity, creativity going into that. Yeah. And yet it's not seen as much. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think I, I just want to hit on this one, one last time too, sure. is the plot has to come to it. And during yep. this time period within the zitgeist, mm-hmm. our perception within the dominant yes. culture of the United States was all of this is happening to us. Right. Like totally not. But again, that was the perception. Yeah, and, absolutely. And dominant so culture said, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, so thank you for I that. Hope, uh, yeah. I hope that was, uh, if it shows up on Amazon or, or Netflix or another streaming service, I may well pick it up and start watching it. So, so yeah. the whole reason, of course, that I that I got inspired to do this episode is uh-huh. because uh, J. Michael Straczynski announced that he is working with folks on doing a reboot. Oh. In the same, kind of in the same vein as the Battlestar Galactica reboot. I was about to say. my favorite yeah. science fiction series of all time. Now... I don't know how they're ever going to be able to pull off the character stuff they did uh, with any group of actors other than the ones they had, but I'm excited to see what, what yeah. JMS you know does. Now, the distance in time, early 90s till now, mm-hmm. is roughly 20 years? Uh, 30. 30? Jesus. Close to 30. And the distance in time between... BSG one and BSG two is roughly, roughly 25, 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Ain't that something? Yeah. And in the meantime, they're t- in talks with, uh, Oh God, I forget his name. Um, but the character who played red and the character who played Kitty to do that nineties show. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is actually further from <laughs> the nineties now than they than were from they the seventies. From the seventies yeah. when they did that seventies show. Yeah. Yep, uh, nostalgia. It's just not what it used to be. But uh, so. cool. Well, what are you reading? What am I reading? Um, I'm reading an awful lot of uh, student work still. Jesus Christ. Because we're coming up on a great... When I say to make this timeless, I don't mean to to like have you say the same thing over and over. Say the same thing every time. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I understand that. Um, I am working my way through, uh, slowly, working my way through rereading Children of Dune. Okay. um, Because I got through Dune Messiah. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm working on the next one because I'm a glutton for punishment. Um... And otherwise, I'm not, I don't have a whole lot going on there. How about you? Uh, so I'm listening to a podcast. I'm going to actually plug another podcast on our podcast. Uh, I know, I know. But, you know, intellectual honesty is kind of our hallmark. So I'm listening to another that podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, called Marvel Wastelanders Hawkeye. And okay. it is, I believe five six episodes okay and it's just it's a radio play and it's it's hawkeye 
after V-Day. So after the Red Skull has killed everybody off. So it's like Old Man okay. Hawkeye. Okay. Um, so I'm listening to that upon the recommendation of a former student of mine. The okay. one I told you about who yeah. uh, is is slaying it in parties uh, nice. down at that Christian college of his. I like it. Um, so I'm listening to that. If you want to listen to that, that's that's a good one. I'm also going to encourage people, and you got to do some digging for this one, but the guy's name is Matthew Forbeck, F-O-R-B-E-C-K. Okay. Uh, he's written a number of books. Uh, he's written a number of uh, role-playing games and stuff like that. Okay. But he took this series, um, or he took this role-playing game called Brave New World, which I love the world. Okay. Um, and it's very much a product of the 90s. Um, and then he wrote three novels based on oh, it, little okay. novellas. And the first one, I believe, is Brave New World Revolution. And then you can find the other two as well. Was and, Brave New World the mm-hmm. one in which the plutocrat party was a thing? I don't think so. Brave okay. New World is the one where JFK lived through the assassination attempt, but his wife didn't. Oh. And uh, then the world got really terrible because emergency powers and oh. superheroes. So oh, okay. It's cool. All right. So anyway, that's that's what I'll recommend. Matt Forbeck, uh, Matthew Forbeck, uh, Brave New World um, okay. Revolution. So, All right. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you on the social medias? I can be found on uh, Twitter at mm-hmm. E.H.Blaylock. Uh, I can be found on Instagram at also E.H.Blaylock. On uh, TikTok, I am Mr. Blaylock. Mm-hmm. And where can you be found? You can find me on uh, Twinsta uh, at Duh Harmony. Two H's in the middle. You can find me every Tuesday, every first Tuesday of the month. On twitch.tv forward slash capital puns. More importantly, on January 14th, you can find me uh, at uh, in Sacramento at Luna's doing Capital Punishment, the live version. Because, no. yes, I just started booking everything from January. So January 14th, February 7th. Is it 7th? Might be. No, it's February 2nd, March 2nd, and April 1st. Nice. So it's basically the first Friday of every month. Okay. But in January, it's the second uh, second Friday. Okay. Uh, but so January fourteenth, go go check it out. Uh, you can find Capital Punishment on the Facebooks. There will be announcements coming out soon. We have one hell of a lineup coming at you. All the best and brightest of Sacramento. Uh, when I reached out to folks, it was like watering a plant for the first time in nice. a long time. Everybody's like, "I'm so glad it's back." I'm like, "You have no idea how many tears I've shed." Uh, I had no idea how much I missed it. Um, but yes, we are back, baby, live, uh, January fourteenth. So I am, I am very excited to hear that. I am too. That's awesome. I'm I am stoked. Can only imagine. Yeah. So very cool. Yeah. Uh, corporately, where can we be found? We can be found at uh, Geek History Time on uh, Twitter mm-hmm. and at www.geekhistoryoftime online Mm -hmm. uh the podcast of course can be found on uh the uh apple Mm -hmm. podcast app on stitcher Mm -hmm. and spotify and so please wherever it is you are getting us from uh go there give us a review give us the five stars you know that we've earned Mm -hmm. uh encourage your friends to check us out we we are not for everybody but you know we've got something for for everybody we've got something for everybody yeah we are Um, a buffet yeah, and uh, so please, you know, let folks know that we're here. Yeah. And that's all I got. Cool. Well, for Geek History of Time, I'm Damien Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, keep rolling 20s. <laughs>